generationally, and I think lots of families are like this, grandma was held to a certain physical standard. Therefore, her daughters were held to that standard. But the problem is, is that none of them could meet that standard. So then they just punish themselves all the time through diet. I mean, gosh, my mom did some crazy stuff to lose weight when I was, and I remember almost all of it. And that's what I didn't want for my own kids. I didn't want my kids to be like, do you remember when mom made us never eat any sugar for like a year? We were never allowed to have any, because that's what I remember about my mom. Every Lent. Yeah. Like some of my very strongest memories of her is literally the things she did to lose weight. And that, Mm -hmm. that shouldn't be your strongest memories of your parents. there. Welcome to Tater Talks, two bitches talk fitness. I'm Brooke. And hello, I'm Iris. On this show, we challenge the common understanding of what it means and what it takes to be fit and healthy. We explore all things fitness, nutrition, mindset, and mental health without the fluff and BS. So grab a coffee, get ready to laugh, cry, even learn a thing or two. Let's get into it. Welcome back, everybody. And I say this every time, but we are so excited to talk to Mary today. Mary is a friend of ours that we've known for what, four-ish years now? Yeah, I think so. Online? Yeah. Yeah, we met through Jordan Syatt's Inner Circle. And actually, Mary, our first interaction, I don't know if you remember this, but you (laughs) called me out for something. Did I? (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yeah, you did. That's not a shock, but I don't remember. I don't remember. I'm so sorry if I was insulting. Oh, no, not at all. Actually, it was the thing that made me go, I like this person because you did it with compassion and love and care. And I really appreciated it. But I was whining about something I had gotten in a a day long, just absolutely wasted my entire Saturday one time arguing with my old MLM higher up. And I was just venting about it and... You just said, you know, do you want to be right or do you want to have peace? (laughs) And I was like, oh, she's right, isn't she? (laughs) Words of wisdom right there. Right. (sighs) We want to be right a lot of times, but it's not worth the fight to be right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I appreciated it then and I appreciate you and we're really happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm excited to talk about, I think, what we're going to talk about today. So, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know we can talk for hours, so it'll be good. Tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us some of your story of your fitness journey. My my journey? Your journey. However (laughs) much detail you want to get into, go for it. Yeah, so I am a wife and a mom of five children. They are all older now. So my oldest is 21 and they are about two years apart going down. So they are 21, 19, 17, 15, and 13 right now. And as far as my fitness journey, because I know everyone loves that word. Brooke calls it a a fitness roller coaster. Yes. Honestly, that's probably (laughs) a much better description of it. Uh, If you're doing it right, it is a much better description of it. When I turned 40, which was... Six years ago now, because <laughs> for the last year, I thought I was 46 and I wasn't. I just turned 46. <laughs> I was having donuts with a friend of mine and her children. And uh, donuts are one of my very favorite things on the planet. I was super excited to have donuts with her for my birthday. Um, and she took a picture of my daughter and I and sent it to me I, maybe a day or two later. And when I saw that picture, I cried because I was almost, I was approaching 300 pounds. And in the picture, my daughter is smiling and she's just so excited to be having donuts with her mom on her birthday. And I look dead. Like my eyes are dead. There's no smile. My smile is kind of like that kind of grimace smile that people give as, um, hey, I'm taking your picture. So you give that little... And I just cried. It was awful. I didn't like how I looked. I didn't like the look in my eyes. I didn't do anything about it immediately because I was kind of, I had spent years like trying to fix that, fix my weight, fix me. 
So that was April, mid-April. And in June of that year, I, and I've told this story before and it sounds very silly, but I was in Target. And if anyone who is listening has, has followed me for any length of time, that same year, my husband lost his, what we refer to as his good job. He had been working at NASA for 15 years and got fired for being a whistleblower. So we went from having a very stable good job that supported us to being on food stamps within 30 days. And that that was in May. So my birthday happened in April. That happened in May. In early June, I was in Target picking up necessities. And I saw this pair of workout pants, yoga workout pants. But the problem was they were full price. And there was no way I was spending full price money on yoga pants. I don't do yoga. I didn't do yoga at the time. I but I really liked them. And so I said, you know what, screw it. I'm going to spend the $30 on these. And I will just have to explain this to my, to my husband when he gets home. So keep in mind, full-time salary to food stamps. And I'm buying a full $30 pair of pants. Uh, $30 at the time would have been half a week's of groceries for my family on snap. So anyway, I bring these pants home and then I'm like, you know, I've got to, I've got to think of a reason I bought these pants. So he gets home and he literally walks in the door. He had, he was still unemployed. So basically he had been out kind of job hunting. And eight years ago, my children were a lot smaller than they are now. So when you need quiet, you can't do that in a house of six other people. Mm -hmm. Um, So he was out job hunting, probably at a Starbucks somewhere. He walks in the door and I said, Honey, great news. We are going to start running. Because <laughs> that was the excuse I gave myself for buying these pants. Well, they're exercise pants, so I better exercise in them. You know, give them a purpose. And he looks at me and he's like, no. <laughs> he had been in the army, so running is just not his thing. He's done with running. And I said, you know, no, I, you don't understand. I, I bought these today. I'm energized. I'm motivated. Let's, let's run. Luckily, I have a very sweet and understanding husband. And so we started running. Um, we did like a couch to 5K thing. Now, let me just tell you, I hate running. But at the time, it was <laughs> like, I don't, I know some people who enjoy it. Those are very few people. Um <laughs> So we ran, we did this three days a week. And that's kind of what started me. I Most people do it the other way around. They try to get their, their food and their nutrition in check first, and then they add an exercise. We did it the opposite way. So we started the exercise because my pants needed a purpose. And then <laughs> from there, I started getting my ducks in a row as far as health and nutri- my, the, my overall health and nutrition, including my mental health. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you've lost and maintained over 100 pounds at this point, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, it definitely has fluctuated probably in the last six to eight months. Every Everyone hits roadblocks and I have regained some, not a lot. I think it's about 20 pounds. So I, I'm still hovering around the lost about 100 pounds point. But uh, yeah, I mean, it happens. Life happens. And I, you know, I try to express that in Instagram posts and things like that, that we have this very romantic idea of before and after when it comes to weight loss. And there is no after. It, it is just a continuous line that we that we have to walk. You don't hit this magical number and you're like, okay, I'm done. Don't have to do any more work. Don't have to do anything else. I'm just done. Richard, yeah. I blame Richard Simmons for that. <laughs> <laughs> the, the idea of the before and after, that was very big in the 80s. You know, the, you had this picture of you before and after, and then that was the end of the story. And it's not the way life works. So (laughs) yeah, Yeah. Um, I was listening to lifting Lindsay's more than fitness podcast, and she had a guest on and they were talking about the before and after thing. And they were talking about how like, everybody loves a before and after like a big drastic before and after, but nobody, well, not nobody, because I know we know some people who do. But nobody shows the the after, after, the after, you know? Right. <laughs> like, like the real life, like how our bodies fluctuate because we're fluctuating humans. And sometimes we might put on a little, lose a little, put on a little, lose a little, even though we're still in that range of like maintaining that loss. Maintenance is a range. 
we as humans are a range. And I love that you normalize that because not enough people do. Well, I think it's important to realize that our bodies are not stagnant. Like we are not stagnant. We shouldn't be. We'd be dead. We'd be Mm -hmm. dead. And if we were stagnant across the board, we'd never learn anything new. We'd get to a point and it would just stop. And I, that's a terrible way to live. Thinking that you already know the sum of everything in your life at one point is like a terrible way to live. Never be the smartest person in the room. I've yeah. heard that somewhere. <laughs> yeah, very true. So you had kids at home during mm-hmm. this process. Yes. You have a husband. Mm-hmm. One of the ways, and Brooke and I have talked about this before, but I would love to hear your thoughts on it as well. One of the ways that people give up their power, for lack of a better word, they make excuses for themselves. They put the blame on kids and family or somebody else for not achieving what they want to achieve. Well, it's easier that way, right? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's easier that way. It's easier for us. And and I'm going to say this because I've done it, right? When my kids were very, very small, health and nutrition was the last thing on my plate. It was the last thing I thought about because I was so busy all the time with them tending to their needs. And it was very, it was super simple for me to just say, you know what? I can't go to the gym because I have to do this instead, which might have been true some of the time. I mean, children demand a lot of their parents. They demand a lot of time. They demand a lot of energy. Could I have found ways to do it? Looking back, yeah, probably, you know, I could have found ways or maybe not get to the gym, maybe take them for more walks, do more, do more things to be active with them, which I was not very good about. Now, my kids were active. I just wasn't active with them. Could have I stopped chasing short term solutions, meaning going on crash diets, fad diets, things like that and concentrated on not just my overall health, but theirs. Yes. But it's just easier to say, well, I can't because these other beings require more of me right now than I can give myself. Yes, that is true. But it is also true that you can make time for yourself. It's, it's simple, but not easy. That's what everyone says, right? And that is That is something that people need to adopt as a mantra for themselves, because if you want it to be easy, then you need to just go sit on your sofa because that's the easiest thing is just ignore everything and sit on your sofa. (laughs) (laughs) But it can be done. And like I said, in hindsight, it could have been done. I just didn't want to do it. Yeah. that, And that's a shout out for all those people who are waiting for motivation. That's... Never gonna happen. <laughs> I love that you brought that up because I think that that's something I hear all the time is I need to get motivated or I want someone to motivate me. And I think a lot of people don't really take into consideration that motivation is a feeling just like happiness. And mm-hmm. in order to be happy or in order to be motivated, you have to do things that are gonna get yeah. you motivated or do things that make you happy. So it's really the other way around. It's you have to take action. Once you see the results of that action, then you're going to get the motivation when you realize what you're doing is actually working or not working. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, And that's with the running, that's what happened is that once we actually dedicated ourselves to making time to go do it, I might've been totally miserable the whole time I was running. But what happened was, is that I was like, huh, you know, I'm taking this time to actually exercise. What else can I do to further this? Like, what else can I do? And and it kind of built up from there. It wasn't just a, oh, you know what? I'm going to go run because I think it's the greatest thing ever. It was, you know, I really just don't want to do this. However, <laughs> bought these expensive pants. They need a purpose. And then that built from there. So it's, it's never going to just arrive on your doorstep and say, Hey, I'm here. It's time to do the things. (laughs) 
<laughs> There's nothing like a good gym fit that makes you get motivated to go work out. Right, right. I will say never <laughs> underestimate the power of a, a nice pair of pants. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is the thing is, is you just you just don't know what it's gonna be that's gonna move you in that direction. For me, it was a, a sad picture of myself in a pair of pants. For someone else, it might be a lot worse. It could be they've let their health really go. And the doctor is like, Hey, you know what? Get this under control. You're told to do it. The onus can be anything really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is the question that just won't die though, is how do I get motivated? Where do I find (laughs) it? How do I get it? You don't stay motivated. Yeah. How do you stay (laughs) motivated? Sorry, fam. You don't, it's habits, it's routine, it's consistency. It's, you know, learning from mistakes things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. There were many times that first summer that like we're running. And so I, I live in Virginia, which if you know anything about geography of the United States, Virginia is essentially built on a swamp. So every summer it is like, if you're outside, it's, it's like walking through pudding. It just, everything is damp and it's yuck. Delicious. <laughs> Like, right. I mean, and the thing is that we did this for three months. We did this for three months before I switched to strength training because it was during that three months that I kind of found Jordan Carter good and, you know, a couple of others, Susan. And I kind of was like, okay, they're saying these things we're broke, but how do I strength change? Like, how can I figure out doing that? So it was planet planet fitness was the first place because it's like $10 a month. I mean, even the brokest person can afford a plant of fitness. So, <laughs> and that was the strength. That was the start of the strength training. I was so happy to leave running behind after that. <laughs> so happy to have found something else. I did couch to 5k a couple times once with one of my good friends. She got pregnant. So we stopped because of course, you know, of course, you're not supposed to work out when you're pregnant ever. You can't do anything. You're a delicate little flower. Also, you're supposed to eat for two. Just FYI. That's, uh, yeah. that's another part of that. Don't exercise and eat for two. That's yeah. Neither of which are true, by the way, dear listeners. Uh, <laughs> and then I did it again just by myself to prove that I could. And I did it and I didn't like it. Although I was telling my husband recently, I'm like, now that I know more about life in general and exercise, I think I could do it again and not hate it just because I think I was going too fast and I was not running properly, you know, but maybe I'm not going to say I'll do it, but I'm not going to say I'll never do it. <laughs> I, I'll never do it. I, I'm going to just flat out say I'll never do it again. But I will. I, the, the problem for me is that what would happen is you're supposed to complete it in what, like, is it 30 days? Like something yeah. like that. They have an arc, right? Well, I'd get to the end of the 30 days and I was nowhere near ready to run a 5K. So I would just, ha- I would start over again. So for three months that would happen. I would start over where I was like on day one again, the next 30 day set. So I never even got close to being able to run a full 5K. Like mm-hmm. that was just not going to happen. I just kept starting over, which was also frustrating, which is why strength training really appealed to me because I was like, huh, with that, you don't really get to an end. You just keep going. Like you might level out for a while, but you it's progress. It's progressive by definition. Mm -hmm. So you, you just keep going. So that was very appealing to me. It was something I didn't, I didn't have to start over from ground zero once I started it. Yeah. Strength training for life. (laughs) All three of us. Yes. For real life. A lot of my friends, when I started doing it, oh, are you going to, you going to go be a power lifter? Are you going to go? No, I just want to be able to sit on the toilet when I'm 80. And that's the legit like reason is that I come from a family of the women in my family were all overweight, all helpless by the time they, they hit 60. And when I say helpless, I mean, I'm, it's, they weren't like incapacitated in yeah. wheelchairs or anything. Right. But like, it was always a constant, you know, oh, I'm in pain. Oh, I can't do this. I mean, they just were not, they were not functional by the time they were 60 on a, on a, on a consistent basis. And growing up and watching that was just not something I wanted to do. And then finding, and I think that was the biggest thing about that picture is that I looked a lot like my mom and, and my mom looked like that in a lot of pictures with, of me growing up just there, but not there. And I didn't, I didn't want to live life like that anymore. Hmm. Well, let's shift gears a little bit, as podcasters say, because there were a few things we were throwing around before we started this episode, and 
it had to do with, you know, comments on social media posts, um, namely in Facebook groups, because we all met in a Facebook group. We're in a couple of the same ones together. Brooke, obviously, is a coach on Team BFF. So we're in that one. We're in Jordan's group. And there was a post. I'm not going to call anybody out. No names. None of that. Um, and this is not to shame. It's just to talk about it, you know, maybe offer some more insight and context and nuance to this discussion. Somebody posted that they were in a calorie deficit for a while. They were definitely in a calorie deficit and they have gained weight. And two comments stood out to us. The first one, somebody said, well, it's okay. You're gaining muscle because this person was also strength training. They said the second comment was just throw away your scale. And I want to talk about both of these more in depth because neither of them, you can't just say that. There is a lot more context and nuance and individuality to these comments, right? So, yeah. I mean, let's talk about the you're gaining muscle first. And not necessarily. If you are in a calorie deficit, by definition, by the laws of physiology, you will be losing body fat. If you are consistently gaining weight over months and months, you cannot just say, it's okay, you're gaining muscle. Uh, yeah. So gaining muscle, especially for females, is at best difficult. It takes an ex extreme amount of effort for us to do it. And now some people are genetically predisposed to it. I, I am friends with a lady who she can do very minimum at the gym and develop muscle very quickly. That's genetic for her. Her mom was the same way. For most people though, you're not pounding on 50 pounds of muscle in a couple of months. Like it's just not, it's not physiologically possible. And even five pounds of muscle is a great deal. I mean, it doesn't seem like it should be that hard, but it is. And to just say it out of hand without understanding how muscle even gets built. And that's what happens when these comments are made is that these are things that, that the commenter has heard other people say to other people. And so it's a repetition, but there's no knowledge behind it. And, and I'll be the first one to say, I am no scientist. I can tell you in a general sense how things are done as far as muscle, but it's super important to not be just parroting things you've heard other people say without having a modicum of knowledge behind it. And muscle just doesn't get built that easily and that quickly. It's definitely a long process, especially, like I said, for women in a lot of cases. I agree with you, Iris. It can definitely be a little bit more nuanced. And I also agree with Mary. You have to have an understanding of what you're saying before you say it. Because as you said, Iris, when you're in a calorie deficit, you are losing body fat. You're not gaining muscle. You can recomposition. So if you notice that you're, you know, stepping on the scale each day and you're you're maintaining your weight, but your clothes are fitting differently, your measurements are going down, you can certainly build muscle and lose body fat at the same time. But it's a very, very fine line. Very, very fine line. And that's what's called recompositioning. And this really only happens in two situations. One, with beginners, people who are brand new to lifting, they've never really lifted weights, or people that have taken a really long hiatus from lifting. And then they get back and they get, quote unquote, newbie gains all over again. But you're not going to be able to build muscle in a calorie deficit. You can get stronger. One of them is movement-based, like building strength. That is training movement patterns. Building muscle, you are following a hypertrophy program. You are doing lots of volume. You are eating a lot, a lot of protein. And as Mary said, it is hard to gain muscle. If you think losing fat's hard, try <laughs> trying to build muscle. It oh, is man, hard yeah. to do. And especially for women, like it is a little bit more challenging to build muscle. If people are saying, I'm gaining weight and I'm in a calorie deficit and I'm building muscle, it all contradicts itself because a calorie deficit means a deficit of energy. So realistically, it's probably what you're consuming or the amount you're consuming or an accurate tracking or inconsistency that's making you gain weight, not 
that you're building muscle because you don't put on pounds of muscle in a calorie deficit. No, you do no. not. If you're lucky, you might put on one pound of muscle in a month. If yeah. you're doing, yeah. if you're a, doing everything right, if you're doing, if you're doing everything, everything right, 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 you are dialed in. That that is how you do that. But to gain even five pounds in a month, that's not muscle. <laughs> <laughs> And I'll pose this question as someone who is not a coach. Do you think that sometimes people don't understand the difference between body recomp and muscle gain? Absolutely. Like they confuse those two things. So what they think is, is that muscle gain is happening as I'm losing fat. That's not really what's happening there, but that's what they assume is happening. And so maybe... As a point of, like I said, I'm not a coach. My reach is very small on social media. But as a point that for coaches, that is something that maybe some of them could start addressing. The difference between those two things, because there's a huge difference between purposely putting on muscle, which as Brooke just said, you have to be in a surplus in order to do that versus body recomp, which is just swapping fat for muscle. Essentially, yeah. In its simplest term. In its in its simplest terms, <laughs> at least. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's where people do get confused because a lot of people will say, like, I'm recomping when in reality they're just in maintenance. Yeah. So that's something, you know, that a lot of people don't understand either. There, there's so much that we can do with recomping, like reverse dieting. And I'm I'm not gonna get into all that right now in this podcast because <laughs> that's a lot of information. We've talked about it a little bit. I'll link all the relevant episodes in the show notes too for the listeners because we do have a couple of episodes specifically about like how to build muscle. Yes. So I'll link those for like in-depth more detail, but. Oh, perfect. Perfect. So yeah, I mean, and it's very hard when you're in Facebook groups and stuff, like (laughs) as a coach, as a coach to be like, okay, there's a lot going on here and I have Mm -hmm. responded to certain things, but sometimes it is very surprising how many people tell you, you don't know what you're talking about when you do it for a living. It's very, (laughs) very interesting. Well, I mean, in all fairness, what is easier to hear? Oh, you're just gained five pounds of muscle or you're eating too much, (laughs) right? You're eating too much. Like you're You're, you're you're consistent. Like what's easier to hear? And that's, that's what it comes down to is that, People don't want to be told when they're doing something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. They don't like to hear that. I mean, that's what a lot of it boils down to. They don't, you know, when you're going through those answers and I didn't answer this particular thread because so many people had already answered in ways that I knew this person was going to take, even though it's not factual, what I would say would have been taken very badly and not because of the way that I was going to say it, although I'm not. I don't do the compliment sandwich. I will just tell you, you know, factually where you might be wrong. You know, I I just didn't respond because I was like, well, the problem is, is that you've got too many of these nice to hear answers. So my answer is going to fall on deaf ears. (laughs) And that's the hard thing about all of this. And this is hard to hear because it involves taking responsibility and not blame or shame or fault but responsibility to look deeper that something here is not adding up. Something yeah. somewhere is being overconsumed, whether it's weekends that you're not tracking and you think you're kind of reining it in, but really you're over maintenance and you're just evening it out. So you're gaining or not losing at the very least. Maybe it's alcohol that you're over pouring and not measuring. Maybe it's licks, bites and tastes. Maybe it's, you know, finishing the food off your kid's plate, not really thinking about it. Maybe it's the snack bowl in the kitchen that every time you walk by, you're like, oh, I'll just have a handful of those. And you forget to track because we all do, you know, food amnesia, I think Susan calls it. I've been there. Something somewhere is not adding up and that is hard to hear, you know, especially for people who and all three of us at some point, we felt like we've tried everything, right? Mm -hmm. And not to mention, if you're not tracking at all, that you can't say that you're doing everything. Yeah. Right. Thank you. I hear a lot of times, you know, I've tried this, I've done this, I've been in a calorie deficit. Okay. Well, are you consistent with tracking your calories? Well, I don't track my calories. It's like, if you don't try, and for some people that might not work, like I'm not saying that tracking is the only way, but it is the most accurate way. And you can even be inaccurate with the accurate way, you know? <laughs> so 
I think a lot of people, when they respond, they respond in a visceral way. They respond in an emotional way. They're more reactive than logical because as Mary said, nobody likes to be told that they're doing something incorrectly um, or they're doing I it don't. wrong. <laughs> yeah, nobody really does. <laughs> and it goes back to no. what you were saying, Iris. You have to be able to take ownership and accountability and people aren't ready for that. People that are saying, you know, that are making excuses or reasons because like sometimes there are reasons, but people are constantly doing this and then they're being reinforced by others saying, Oh no, you're gaining muscle. Like if you're in a calorie deficit, you're gaining muscle. It's fine. It's, <laughs> you're doing great. Yeah. yeah. No. no, it's not true. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're not doing great or you're not tracking consistently or, you know, you are having too much salt before you weigh in or what have you. There are so many ways that you can be, in a calorie surplus without knowing you're really in a calorie surplus. Yeah. In the last five years, I have learned how to track very well, very efficiently. And even I will occasionally fib to myself. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I'm a professional calorie tracker at this point. I mean, if I could get paid for it, I would be paid well. <laughs> but even I occasionally will you know, well, maybe, maybe that donut wasn't 500 calories. Maybe it was just 375. Click, yeah. you know, yep. oh, that's a bunch of bull crap. And that, that donut was definitely 500 calories. Like, you know, and so, worth every, every single and worth one every calorie. There's nothing wrong with a 500 calorie donut. Nothing at all. Those mm -hmm. are the best ones, but it doesn't matter how new or old you are at it. If you are not willing to be honest with yourself then tracking doesn't do you any good anyway. So it's the tracking, but it's also learning to be honest last night. And Iris, you guys will be very proud of me last night. I ate French fries. Now for your <laughs> listeners who don't know me at all, I don't like potatoes all that much. I know. No, I do not like... understand this about <laughs> Brooks having a heart no. attack. Oh my I know. god! I, I, I <laughs> oh my god! My heart just dropped to the pit of my I know. Stomach. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I feel like I have to apologize to everyone when I confess that to them. I'm like, I know it's very un-American. I had some guy at a restaurant tell me it was un-American. He's like, oh that's god. really un-American. I'm like, I know. I'm so sorry. I just don't like potatoes. It's not the taste. It's the texture of them. So if I do eat fries. I always have to re request, please make them extra crispy. Like, even if it looks like you're burning them, do that for me. Cause huh. so last you're night weird. I ate fries. My <laughs> husband went, and I'm so, it's okay. I embrace my weirdness. sometimes. So. Um, but last night, my husband and I went out to dinner cause it was just the two of us. And uh, right now I'm in maintenance until the 30th. So I can afford to kind of, you know, have some wiggle room in my diet. We went out to eat. I ordered these fries and tracking calories at restaurants is a best guess at best. Like it's, ne it's never accurate. I had lean brisket and fries and coleslaw. The fries on their menu are listed like their portion is supposedly 479 calories. Now, when they gave me the tray, I was like, I'm only going to eat half of those. And so that's what I tracked is just half of them. Well, before I knew it, the fries were gone. <laughs> the fries were gone. I ate every single one of them, but I did have a moment where I was like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to change that. I'm just going to leave it as half. <laughs> then my better angels got a hold of me and they were like, you know what? It's because, because what I didn't want to happen is my tracker turns orange when I go over and I didn't want it to turn orange. So, and that mm -hmm. would have put me over. Now I did it. I ended up being honest with myself and with my tracker, it turned orange. And guess what? I didn't die. <laughs> I didn't die. It turned orange and I didn't die. So uh, the moral of the story is, is that even long-term trackers can find themselves fibbing to themselves in order to try to pretend like they're making it under a goal. So it's not even just forgetting to do things. Sometimes it's kind of purposeful admission. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And being okay with that decision, whichever way you go and being holding yourself accountable, like, okay. It is what it is. I did it. I need to take I need to take ownership. If I'm going to preach taking ownership, I have to actually take ownership, right? <laughs> Damn straight. And that goes right. exactly with doing the shit you say you're going to do and being honest. And to be honest, like kind of going back to that, you know, like the Facebook post, 
a lot of times people want to think that they are being honest by pulling the wool over their own eyes. Yeah. But <laughs> the truth is, like you said, you lived. Your tracker turned orange and you miraculously, okay. <laughs> by the and grace she's still of the alive, universe, guys, she's here. Fine. Yeah. I'm here. Exactly. <laughs> and I think that ownership and accountability and taking responsibility for the things that you choose to do, because that was a choice. You chose to eat more fries. And so I think it's very interesting when people make decisions and they choose to do things, but then they're pissed off at what they chose to do. Right. Hopefully that made sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it did. No, me. it made sense. It made sense. Yes. Well, because I think we get mad at ourselves, right? Like we get mad at the decisions that we make and not even just with diet and nutrition. I make terrible decisions in my life about things. And I look back at it and like, oh, yeah. <laughs> what the heck was wrong with me? You know, it, it's okay to get upset in this. All, all of this ties in. It's okay to get upset. But then what do you do next? Right. Like mm-hmm. what is, what is your reaction to that? Is it to get emotional and stay in that anger at yourself and then go, well, you know what? I ate all these fries and eat, you know, I'm only going to track half of them and let's go eat half a pie now too. Cause I might as well, I ate all the fries, you know, and stay in that, in that cycle of anger. When I was at my heaviest, I, that's what I would do. A lot of very heavy to obese people will say, I just don't, just didn't know. And granted, while I didn't know exactly how many calories I was taking in and looking back, knowing what I know now about calories and portions and what's in calories, I was probably consuming 5,000 calories or more a day. I wouldn't have known that amount back then, but like in looking back, I knew it wasn't good. You know, I knew that what I was doing was not serving me. It just felt good in the moment. It was the easiest thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. And I think it's hard for people when they do have moments like that where they pretty much say, fuck it, I've ruined it this much. So I'm going to ruin it all the way. I think what people don't understand is you can get back on track with the next best decision. Mm -hmm. One thing that I love to tell my coaching clients is you need to learn to control the controllables. Let's say you have a a nutrition day where you didn't hit anything that you wanted to hit. You can get back on track with the next best choice. Like the other day, I don't even know why this just popped into my mind, but I recently moved and there is this little donut place right around the corner because, you know, (laughs) hey, donuts, like there's a there's a reason why I also have a podcast called Donuts and Dumbbells because I love me some donuts and I love me some dumbbells. But there was this donut place and I stopped in and I'm like, you know what? I've been craving a maple bar for about three and a half weeks. Today is the fucking day. So I go in, I get the maple bar, I come home and this was a big maple bar. My heart was fluttering with happiness. (laughs) And I ended up eating the maple bar. And at the very end, I was kind of like, oh, that did not make me feel as good as I thought it would. Like Mm. it was just like heavy feeling. Now I could have very easily said, well, I ate that. And now I want this, you know, now I want to go to, there's a wonderful place by us called Cristiano's. And I want to go there and get their fettuccine Alfredo that has a lot of oil, a lot of pasta, or I can get back on track and make my lunch. The old me, before I became a coach, when I was in the middle of my fitness roller coaster, I would have straight up just been like, fuck it. I'm going to go and I'm going to go eat this fettuccine Alfredo. I'm going to have six breadsticks. I'm just going to live it up. YOLO, baby. Mm-hmm. You only live once. Well, it doesn't count if it all happens in one day, right? <laughs> That's exactly the mindset that people have. Yeah. That's yeah. the mindset like that they have. It's like, okay, well, yeah, I ate this giant maple bar and now I'm going to eat all these other things because if I can just get it out of my system in one day, I can go back to being good tomorrow. It's yes. Like, No, 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 no. I used to do that with Subway of all places, which I do like actually. And I've only recently started going back to it. I I put myself on a Subway ban for like four years because it was one of those things. And we can talk about this later. It was like the scale. I just needed a little little separation trial for a minute because I would do that exact (laughs) thing, right? And this was at the time where I was like, intermittent fasting, high fat, low carb, all of these good, bad food, whatever. And I would get a foot long, mm-hmm. double meat, extra ranch, and a lot of cookies. And I would just smash the whole thing 
because, well, if I go this far, I might as well go all the way. And then I might as well get it out of my system. And then I would feel terrible physically and mentally and then try to, quote unquote, rein it in and be good. And then I would do it all over again in like two days, like literally. And I lived like two minutes away from a subway. So it was really difficult. <laughs> but it was just the exact same mindset. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And that's why I say control the controllables because I mm -hmm. ate that donut. And then I said, okay, what can I do next that aligns more with my goals right now? What can I do next that is going to align with my goals? What I can do is I can make, you know, I have a little George Foreman grill that I grill my chicken on. I'm like, I'm just going to have a grilled chicken Italian chopped salad because I get them at Costco and they're fucking delicious. Sounds so <laughs> <laughs> they come in like the little bag, the salad kit. So I grilled up some chicken and did that when it would have been so much easier for me to place it to go order. It's just the thing that I realized is I have control. I have control to make my decisions when in reality, a lot of people just give food way too much power. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they give that power away to some nebulous entity. So the, the definition or one of the definitions of accountability is you're responsible to someone in charge of you. That's mm -hmm. the definition of, of accountability. You're, people who are not in charge of anything, you're not accountable to them. Like when you have a boss, you're accountable to them. You know, when you have uppers in, in whatever industry you're in, you're going to have a supervisor, you're going to have a boss. That's who you're accountable to. You're not accountable to your coworkers. You're accountable to your boss. Well, think of yourself as the boss. You're the boss. So you're, you're boss who you. you have to be, right. You're the boss of you. So you have to be accountable to you first and foremost, not to anyone else. Even if you have a coach, because the thing is, is if you're not going to be accountable to yourself, you're wasting your time trying to be accountable to a coach. Mm -hmm. You yes. have to be accountable to yourself first. You're, you're the boss of you. So you're the only one who can, who can really do that. A coach can encourage you, but if you're not willing to be honest and accountable to yourself first, then it all goes out the window. And that's so true. And a coach is not a babysitter either. That's something that I think a lot of people also forget is, well, I, I hired a coach to keep me accountable. So you need to wave your wand and yeah. make it happen for me, Brooke. Exactly. Right? That's, that's, you know, oh, here, this one has like a little diamond in it, this pen. There, there we go. go. Magic wand. It's a bippity-bobbity-boo and you just I it, love right? it. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, like a lot of people, when they think of accountability, they think of an external accountability. They don't think about internal accountability and what can I do to change my actions? They mm -hmm. think about it as, oh, I hired someone, so they're going to keep me accountable. But if you, like you said, like if you can't be accountable to yourself, there's no way that you're going to be accountable to a coach. And I would like to think that that wouldn't happen. But in my years of experience, sometimes that comes around, that comes around yeah. and you have to learn and you have to grow and you, you have to fuck things up sometimes in order to learn the lesson. So that's something that I think a lot of people struggle with is as soon as they experience what's deemed as a setback, they think they've failed and they say, fuck it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In reality, you're just Instead of human. looking at it as a learning. Yeah. Instead of looking at it like a learning experience. I like to tell my clients, there is no failure. There's only feedback. You mess mm -hmm. something up. What did I do? What could I have done? What's one next best decision that I can make? I'm going to go on a walk. You know, little things like that, learning from your mistakes, being self-accountable, taking ownership and being honest with yourself are all things that I think people could really, really lean into. And then they're going to start reaching their goals. Yeah. They're going to be unstoppable when they yeah. get that and that's the hard <laughs> sorry that's the hard <laughs> shit you have to you have to and like i'm i'm in the middle of making a reel that i haven't posted yet but it's like if you're not willing to at least try doing that digging deep you have no business doing any of this sorry <laughs> absolutely you have to be willing to ask yourself what comes next right so i've done this thing what happens next Mm -hmm. What happens next? Answer that question and answer that question honestly and answer it in the context of what happens next? Do I really want, am I really committed to chasing the goal that I set for myself? So in that context, what happens next? Feeding yourself a bowl of a giant bowl of fettuccine Alfredo sounds delicious. However, <laughs> <laughs> probably not the best next step 
if you want to still chase that goal. The other thing I think is that people people don't set proper goals for themselves because their goal is always fat loss. And and Iris has talked about this like a million times, like (laughs) your goal does not always have to be fat loss. And I think that's the other issue is that I think many women, especially are constantly wanting to lose weight, constantly wanting to lose weight. And they don't understand how weary they are from that. So then tracking doesn't matter because they're so tired from constantly having to track or being told they have to track or whatever. They get lazy about it right away because it's not empowering because they've been doing it, it for so long. It feels like a prison. They've made a prison for themselves. Right. Yeah. So if people come on and they ask, well, what should I do? Which a lot of people don't. Usually what they do is I'm doing fat loss, right? Like that's just what they do. But um, mm-hmm. it, th- occasionally someone will try to be thoughtful about it. My answer is usually this. Let's exclude the obesity category because most people who are obese, like when I was, fat loss was definitely going to be the goal no matter what. I wasn't interested in learning to maintain almost 300 pounds. But mm-hmm. if the fat loss ratio is a little bit less, I will almost always suggest, hey, why don't you just learn to maintain where you are right now? Instead of doing this whole, okay, I need to lose weight, I need to lose weight, I need to lose pounds. Why don't you just learn what maintenance feels like instead of shooting up and shooting down and, and doing all of these things? And that is that is surprising and shocking to some people. Well, I joined a, a nutrition accountability group. Why wouldn't I want to lose weight? Well, how long have you been trying to lose weight? If your margin is very small, it's going to take you a lot longer anyway. So let, you know, let yourself maybe rest from constantly trying to lose fat. It's it's a very novel idea to a lot of, like I said, especially yeah. females. Yeah. It, it, they, they have a hard time processing that. <laughs> yeah. I, it was funny. I got a message on Instagram a few months ago. It was like, all you talk about is talk about how like people shouldn't do fat loss and how much it sucks. I'm like, yeah, it does. Because when you live life and experience maintenance or even maybe a little bit of a surplus and you know how great you feel, dieting does suck. You don't (laughs) want to do it all the time. You realize there's so much more to life, which I think and I know this is what I said at the beginning. We could talk for like five hours. I think that's the (laughs) and I'm loving every minute. But I think that's the perfect segue to talking about the second thing a lot of people automatically say is, well, just throw away the scale and look at pictures and measurements. And Mary, you had a wonderful spiel this morning. So if you could just repeat all of that word for word. (laughs) Okay, let's see if I remember what it was. Okay, so (laughs) the scale, even with as many people who have put out good information about what the scale delivers us, delivers to us as far as information, it is the most misunderstood tool in fat loss. It, hands down. I mean, I'm no expert, but if I had to take a poll, I would say that is that would probably be listed as the most misunderstood tool in fat loss. Mm-hmm. So I would agree. Throwing away the scale isn't going to do anything for you. It's it's not going to change the fact that you've gained some some weight, right? Like because the scale is just telling you, it's informing you of your relationship with gravity at the moment. That's all it's doing. And if you step off of it and in 10 minutes get on it, it's probably going to tell you something different. So there's really no reason to totally ditch it except for, and I, and I do have an exception and I, and I use this exception myself. So when I first started my journey, I only weighed every once in a great while. I didn't do the daily weigh-in. Because my relationship with the scale wasn't that fantastic. And it was before Jordan had really started addressing daily fluctuations. So he, because he, he didn't start doing that till maybe two, three years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he would that. talk about it, but he didn't really focus on it. And, the, and yeah. then he did that YouTube and it was really in depth and all that. So I just kind of weighed every once in a while until I had lost a pretty significant amount of weight. And then I was obsessed with weighing because I was like, well, if it's constantly going down, I am doing all the right things. I'm being good. I'm being right. And so I would weigh every day. And then I found myself becoming really emotionally attached to that number. Instead of seeing it as data, I was like, well, it went up two pounds. I must have done something wrong yesterday. Even though I hadn't changed anything about what I had been doing, I actually talked to Jordan one-on-one with him about that because it had become such a vice around 
what I was doing, that it, it was suffocating me. And so basically his advice was, you need to not do that for a while. So I tried to hide the scale, which did not work because I hit it. So I knew exactly where it was. So I would just, you know, after a couple of days, the anxiety of not knowing would take over and I would be like, all right, I'm going to go get it. I'm going to go weigh myself. Oh, it's down. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. And it was just that cycle. So about a month after that, uh, it takes me a while to learn lessons sometimes. So 30 days, <laughs> the scale that I was using was glass and I took it outside and I took a, I took a sledgehammer to it. I shattered it because that was going to be the only way that I could stop doing it. I was so compelled to doing it and, and feeling good if it went down and feeling bad if it went up. In that case, that would be the only time I would recommend someone totally getting rid of it out of their life. If they're not able to get on it and just see it as information, then yeah, get rid of it. At least for a while. Have a, have a trial separation. I didn't get rid of it forever. After about six to eight months, I bought another one and I taught myself it did not come naturally. A lot of people think, oh, well, it's easy for you because you can just do that. No, I had to teach myself to do it. I had to teach myself how to process the information without reacting emotionally. And that took a couple of months. It took a couple of months of me just literally forcing myself to jot that number down and close the book, walk away, put it on my calendar, whatever, however I was recording it at the time and just close the app, close the book, walk away from it. It took me a couple of months. And the thing with this post that we're talking about, totally ditching the scale in this instance isn't helpful because all it's doing is telling her that she's gained some weight. It's not judging her. It's not saying anything. It just it, It's just a commentary on what's going on with her body at the moment. Totally getting rid of the scale isn't really going to be an answer because if you're, if you think you're in a deficit and you're gaining weight, something's going on, right? Something's happening other than the scale telling you the, the sentiment behind getting rid of the scale is, oh, the scale's a liar. I, I hate that. I, yeah. We are on the same page. I knew you were going to bring it up. And that, yeah. It, it's awful because it's not a liar. It's telling you the truth. It might not be the truth that you want to hear at the moment, but it's not a liar. It's telling you it's a machine. It has no feelings about you whatsoever. It, it's not lying to you. It's telling you your relationship with gravity in the moment, period. I mean, if you're weighing yourself, it's telling you exactly what you want to know. What you're asking is telling tell you, you right? what you want to hear. And it is a practice of not making that data mean more than it means. It is an active practice, though, and it takes self-talk. And it might mean standing in front of the mirror after you weigh yourself going, as cheesy as this sounds, going, this is a number that does not define me. It just is what it is. It's information yeah. that I'm going to put in my phone or whatever and then move on with my day. Yeah. That's it. I mean, it doesn't mean that you're not going to feel anything about it. Right. I'm, not a, I'm not a robot, right? And I think people hear that. They're like, well, you just must be a very unfeeling person. I have emotions. I'm empathetic. I'm sympathetic. I'm all of these things. I'm not a robot. It's not that I don't have the emotion. It's not that, I, you know, if the scale goes down, I'm like, you know, okay, that's great. Now, at the time, it was party time, Yay. doing what I wanted to do. Yay for me. Yeah. Oh, it went up. I'm awful, you know. And, and if it went up, was my reaction, okay, today we're tightening up the belt a little bit more. We're dropping the calories. We're drinking more water. We're going to exercise twice a day. Like, if your reaction is that to the scale being up, then... You know, that's what you need to train yourself out of thinking, reacting to the emotion, not not feeling the emotion. It's okay to feel things. God made us so that we're supposed to feel things. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we wouldn't have feelings. We would be robots. <laughs> <laughs> so it's okay to feel stuff. Just learn how to process it. Learn how to feel it and then let it go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that trips a lot of people up. And it's that, I mean, it's that tired old like, scale up bad, scale down good thing that I think a lot of us got from our parents. Like, I know I got that from my parents. Oh, girl. And it's yeah. just, it's <laughs> just what they knew. It's what they were told. It's what we were told. It's, 
hugely incomplete, though. And people put way too much stock into that. And again, make that mean what it doesn't mean. Yeah. And and sometimes, and this kills me, but I see people do that intentionally because they think it's motivating. But then mm-hmm. when they step on the scale and it says something they don't expect or didn't want, don't like, then it's this huge emotional thing. And again, like you said, Mary, the point is not to be an emotionless husk of a person. I mean, that would be depression for some people. The point is to have whatever emotions you have and then move on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's funny because it's something even as a mother, I've tried very hard to teach my my own kids because generationally, and I think lots of families are like this, is that grandma was held to a certain physical standard Therefore, her daughters were held to that standard. But the problem is, is that none of them could meet that standard. So then they just punish themselves all the time through diet. I mean, gosh, my mom did some crazy stuff to lose weight when I was and I and I and I remember almost all of it like and that's and that's what I didn't want for my own kids. I didn't want my kids to be like, do you remember when mom made us never eat any sugar for like a year we were never allowed to have any, cause that's what I remember about my mom. Every Lent. Yeah. Like I don't, yeah. like I don't, I've said this before. My relationship with my mom is very complicated, but some of my very strongest memories of her is mm-hmm. literally the things she did to lose weight. And that, mm-hmm. that shouldn't be your strongest memories of your parent. Right. And so I didn't, I didn't want that to happen with my children. Now, as it so happens, four of my children are boys, so they don't even listen to any of that. <laughs> they, they don't listen to any of that to begin with. However, God did bless me with a daughter at the end. And I have tried very hard to not make what I'm eating, how much I'm eating, what I weigh, how much I weigh, all of that, not the forefront of what I put in front of her as a parent. It has messed with generations and, and I keep saying this of females. I'm not saying it doesn't happen with males, obviously, but I think that females, especially, it's just very, it's a very hard generational thing. And, and I'm proud to say that in, I do see some success in myself and pat myself on the back for that. Like I did teach my kids because, uh, cereal is very expensive and my children love cereal. And so I did teach them how to weigh out their cereal portions because I'm like, I can't afford for you to eat a whole box of cereal a day. Like (laughs) you got to stop that. Right. But instead of saying, well, you're weighing this out because I need you to control your calories because I think you're getting too big. No, we're weighing this out so that you can understand like make the connection between your eye and your brain, what a portion is supposed to just look like so that you don't ever have to weigh your food so that as you get older, you just understand what that looks like. So I've tried to frame it educationally. I've tried to frame it in, it's not a dietary thing. It's just, I can't afford for you to eat an entire box of cereal every day, education sort of thing. <laughs> but like I've noticed, I ne- I have never forced my children to exercise. I have never forced them onto any sort of diet. My kids, my kids eat exceptionally diverse diets. Like they are willing to eat almost anything at any time. Obviously, they're human. They have their favorites and their dislikes or whatever. But for the most part, if I put vegetables on the table, there's no question that they're going to eat them. They just take some of them. Now, some of them might take this amount, <laughs> but they take them. And and as far as exercise, all of my boys go to the gym and they do that on their own. It is not something that I have forced them to do. But once they got old enough to kind of drive and go there on their own, hey, mom, can I have a gym tag? Can we pay for me to go to the gym too? Yes, absolutely. If you want to go to the gym, go to the gym. And even my daughter has started to do that. She she is kind of pairing, hey, if I go to the gym and I deadlift and strengthen my legs, that will help me when I'm jumping. And I'm like, I love actually, that. yeah, you're right. I it will. It. So let's go, let's go do that. Let's go learn how to do that. So and then she and then the other day, a couple of weeks ago, she out of nowhere was like, Mom, I think I need to do some core work because when I'm in my two point, <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but like, but she is seeking that out. I've never once said to her, you know what? You probably should do some core work. Yeah. Like I've, you know, I've never said that. Growing up, my mom would have said things like that to me. I think you need to do some sit-ups. Oh, you're getting a little, 
getting a little chub there. Maybe we should eat a little bit less. So, but like you said, it's, it's what her mom said to her and probably what her mom said to her. So it's, it's just passed down. So I, I got to, we got to break it somewhere. Right. I've I've tried very hard to make it stop here and hopefully, Mm -hmm. hopefully that will be the case with her. She does. She does go in deadlifts though at 13. I love that. That makes me so happy. (laughs) Mary's daughter is a horse girl. I'm a horse girl. And I've, I've said my whole life, people do not understand how full body experience training, (laughs) riding, working on a farm. You just have no idea. It's, it's core and legs and even arms. It's, it's ridiculous. So that, that makes me so happy. I'm so excited for her. Yes. She's, she's excited about it too. She probably doesn't get, she, I probably don't take her as often as she would really like to go. Mm -hmm. And, and even with the boys, I'm like, they go every day. And I'm like, you know, you don't have to go every day because I try to explain to them the rest, right? I'm like, the rest is where the muscles built. So you might want to rest. They're like, no, no, I don't do the same muscle group every day. So therefore I'm resting that muscle group. So it's fine. <laughs> I'm like, well, I guess okay, you know, when, you're, when, right, when you're 25 <laughs> and under, it all feels fine. Right. Like yeah. when you're my age, you might not feel like it's fine anymore, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So. What is your favorite lift? Oh gosh. So when I first started, it was deadlifting and squatting. I actually really love squatting because I have, even at my (laughs) almost geriatric age, have a very good natural squat. Even at my very highest weight, I had a very decent natural squat. Now I had a lot of girth that would get in the way physically of doing it but I could get down on the floor in a squat, no problem, and get myself back up pretty easily. So when I first started, it was those because I could do them easily. And it made me feel very strong because my lower half was already very strong. I was carrying around almost 300 pounds, you know, well, I was carrying around 300 pounds. So probably like an extra 110, 120 pounds. So people who are overweight underestimate themselves in that way. You're already carrying that around. You're already pretty damn strong. Uh So utilize that. And I still like them. Squats are getting a little harder as I age. Not that they're impossible, but so nowadays my favorite one is probably overhead presses. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Ah. I kind of switched. Lower body is very easy for me. It's taxing because that's the more taxing of the the two muscle groups, right? Mm -hmm. But it's easy enough for me to do it. Mm -hmm. Upper body is where I have progressed over the past five years in the most satisfying way. So doing overhead presses and watching my shoulders develop is like freaking amazing. Like, I, I love that. It, it <laughs> I love watching shoulders develop because it, it takes a lot of oh, consistent it takes a hard work to do <laughs> solid delts and biceps. It's, it's a special kind of work. I love it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You should ask Susan how many times I've had her demonstrate how to do rear delts rear delt because like I always felt like I wasn't (laughs) getting them right so I'd be like on every single live can you show that to me again and god bless her she would do it every single time she's like yep this is how you do it I'm like okay I need you to show me again because I don't think I'm doing it right where am I supposed (laughs) to feel that at like (laughs) yeah definitely shoulder things overhead presses really are up there and that'll be important when you're 80 (laughs) Oh, yeah. And have to get things out of my cabinet. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. The only thing I want to have to call my children for help with is electronics. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> In all fairness, I have to do it now. I <laughs> I had to hook something to my phone. I want to say it was these earbuds that I'm using right now, and I couldn't figure out how to do it. I had to call <laughs> one of my kids over. Can you show mom how to put these on here? I'm like, oh, my God, I've turned into my parents. I, this is my generation's version of not being able to set the clock on your VCR. <laughs> I like to think because I grew up with technology, I, I won't be like that. But I don't know, maybe it'll advance so much by then. I'll be like, how do you how do you insert this into my brain? Can you show me? Yeah, <laughs> right. Where's the plug again? Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Well, this has been so much fun. And I don't want to stop. But I know we all have things to do. <laughs> I may or may not have to work tonight. My boss put up a, uh, a an event thing and I'm like, you told me that was next Thursday, but she it's listed for tonight. So I'm a little bit in a panic going, gosh, maybe I do have to work tonight. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I hope you have a good evening regardless. 
Yes, it will be good no matter what. Thank you so much, Mary. We appreciate you having you on. Uh, Well, thanks for having me. (laughs) I will dedicate myself to eating more potatoes over time and perhaps finding a form of potato that I can eat on a regular basis. They're very versatile. (laughs) They're very versatile. That's what you say. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. It is true. They come in many, many forms. So surely I can find one that I like. Thanks for hanging out with us and everybody else. Have a fantastic rest of the day and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Tater Talks, two bitches talk fitness. If you enjoyed the show, let us know by writing a review, subscribing wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Find me, Iris, on Instagram at Iris Deadlifts. And you can find me, Brooke, on Instagram at Get You a Brooke. We'll talk to you soon. Nice. Nice.